Welcome to the Eat, Slay, Live podcast. And we are the Locksecutioners. We're going to be eating lightning and talking thunder and handcuffing your ear holes today. Um, what? I started laughing when I heard the song, mm-hmm. but I wasn't really laughing at the song. You're- I was laughing at what was going on with the speakers, the quality of the, of the song. Listen, dude, we are a half hour late getting this started, and you're the sound engineer, so don't play. I, I see what you're doing here. I see what you're doing. You're, you're, it didn't give me the... You're like uh, Eminem uh, in that, the, the final rap battle of 8 Mile, where what he does is he just like rips on himself or whatever, and like he takes away the amp. I see what you did, okay? All right? I know. I forgot the speaker. We played it straight from my phone today, okay? Well, well, I get it. Hey, look at that. Two weeks and we are back. We are back. Yes, Man. all the naysayers, Kyle, Kyle Deerdorf, Deerdorf, Deer Dick, <laughs> whatever it is, you know it sucked. We had a bunch okay? of haters this week, didn't we? Last we did. It, we, you, you, well, Denny Dorf, Denny right. suck it too. Okay, he's like, oh, you, you recorded it on Friday, but you didn't put it out for like two weeks. What was that with that? Oh, again, again, (laughs) well, hey, hold on. It does come back to you are the releaser of the podcast. I like that title. Yeah, I like that. I don't know. I don't remember what (laughs) the problem was. I couldn't come up with a title or something. But hey, let's talk about this. So last last time we did the podcast two or three weeks ago. You're like, I'm gonna come. I'm, I'm gonna hit circuit before the next podcast. I don't know. I here. This is one thing. I just want to back up. I don't think I said it on air. Not on air. Yeah, uh, okay. We, we, che- say, we cheers we afterwards. Say, we can say, we yeah. yeah, we may. <laughs> a lot of cheers. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so you say you're going to come, you know, and I don't, so that was about, was, see, it was three weeks ago? Was it three like or that. two? I think it took us two weeks to release it. It's been out like a week. So then four. Oh, that was an exaggeration. So there's four circuits a week. <laughs> so what is that, 12? So anyway. Long story short, you waited until the 5.30 a.m. <laughs> today before this podcast. We were, we were sitting here afterwards, and we had talked about it. Yeah. And and when we were just talking about pride and all that, and I'm like, I'm, man, I really am. I'm going to get back in the groove where I come down there. About, and I'm sitting here, and I'm listening. To, we're talking. I'm kind of listening to my own excuses. And I'm like, fuck it. I just said a little, not out loud, just made myself a little promise before oh. next show. I'm, I'm going. I'm going to be there. And then I knew with who was coming in today, I couldn't I couldn't let you guys just sit here fucking talking <laughs> ah, about Thunderdome right, right, and Pride. Right, right. I had to be there. Um, two things. One, like I didn't know you were coming this morning. So like, I, did, I did a triple, triple take. take. I didn't do a double take. I did a triple take. Left my did. hood on and hat on. Yeah, so he didn't yeah. know who was there. No, I didn't. <laughs> and you know what? And this is going to sound very cheese dickish. Is that a word? Cheese dickish? Maybe can be. Any words you want to make up, Todd, yes, on your I'm podcast? A word do it. Um, you know, I, there's nothing I love more, and this I'm getting a little heartfelt here. Okay, Ross. All right, it's pulling on my. I'm feeling that great today, so things are pulling on my heart. So if I die or something later, I want I want this to be. I not love it nothing more than like when like my family comes to circuit. I don't know it's like when you come or when Ty comes or even Sammy or when Ty brings his kids. I don't. I just love that. I don't know what it is. Yeah. So and. <clears throat> You know, like I was, like you said it today. I, these are your words, not mine. Okay. I'm an OG from the yard. <laughs> um, and you know, when I lived, when I lived in Jacksonville, and I'd come back, 
Like, I would drive down those mornings to go to surf. Yeah. You know, like, I always really liked it. And then I'm in the shower today, and I'm like, I, what the fuck was I doing? Why have I not been back so long? Yeah. Like, because you get done with it, and it's not like working out. It's like, I accomplished something today. I really feel I'm in the shower like, shit, my day is getting off to a great start. <laughs> and then tomorrow, you're like, F that circuit. <laughs> Here's something funny. So there's, like, I've just made a rule since, like, once we got started. Because remember, at circuit, I didn't charge people at first because it was just friends doing it together. Yeah. And so... um uh, like since then I just made a rule everybody pays because you can't like because you know it's like everybody that comes there I'm friends with or yeah. somebody so like, just everybody pays well there's one person that doesn't pay to come to circuit who you think that is Ty Ty <laughs> or when he brings his kid or his kids <laughs> now you came in today I'm like you know what don't worry about it and you're like no like you you put the eight dollars like, you, you, like you forced on me and I you know why you did that so you didn't have to give me any freaking free meals <laughs> is why you did that I know what you're up to I know what hey. you're up to <laughs> But I mean, all all kidding aside, it's just whenever you do run your own business, I don't I don't want nothing free from another small business. I, I want mean, shit free from you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what we're talking about. Hey, we got to get to our guest. I'm already tired of hearing you talk. Um, we got to get to our quick. guest. Um, so uh, his name is Marcos Polito. You know him as Chief Polito. I'm gonna read something real quick. These since you know he, he's at the Alton Police Department. Okay, he's in charge of it, Ross. Uh, I'm gonna. These are the jobs he's had, or the oh, things he's done. We didn't go out and get a deputy to be on here. No. We don't. <laughs> um, so let me let me just. So once employed by the Alton Police Department, Polito worked as a patrol officer four and a half years before becoming a detective in the Criminal Investigations Division. Polito also served as a member of the APD Street Crimes Unit, investigator with the Illinois Child Death Task Force, crisis negotiator for both the Alton Police Department and the. I-L-E-A-S Special Response Team. He was on the FBI Task Force Officer and a supervisor with the Major Case Squad of Greater St. Louis. Chief Polito is also certified as a juvenile officer and a member of the Illinois Crisis Intervention Team. Uh, Polito worked, uh, worked his way to becoming a detective supervisor overseeing the APD Narcotics Unit. From there, he was appointed to the role of Alton Police Department Deputy Chief in August of 2019, Earning the honor of being named as Alton Police Chief. You like that, Ross? I like All right. that. We yeah. have a we have a real hero amongst <laughs> us. <right? laughs> hey, Marcos, welcome, welcome to the uh, and my friend, and uh, welcome to the the show, brother. Welcome, welcome. Appreciate it. Thanks for the invite. Marcos holds the record for the most wings eaten all time at the Brickhouse. <laughs> just so everybody knows. Champion. Champion. <laughs> How many is there? Oh, you're just, well, I'm just oh, saying all, all time. <laughs> We're just talking overall points. I mean, he's he's ate the most wings from here. I'm competitive, and even if I like to lose, it's a win. Or even if I lose that title, it's a win because I'm still getting the wings. I was here a few days. Now we'll get into this, but you have some Spanish descent. So, do you have you had the really hot ones here? Habanero. So it's kind of funny. I don't like a lot of hot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Grandma. She's gonna be so mad at me. <laughs> no, I like them sweet. <laughs> um, you know that that was actually I I messed. You know, Ross, I do the research around here. Uh, one of my many titles, and uh, so I was. You know, I just I messaged some people that you know are friends or family or whatever of Marcos and and. I, I, like a couple of them said, he loves the wings from the brick house. <laughs> yes, I, I thought that was awesome. So. How, how old are you? 43. 43? You're the youngest ever 
chief police in Alton? I actually tied, so I was appointed chief when I was. Oh, well, we got to get down to the days and months here. I know. <laughs> uh, I think he beat me. That's why I just say I tied. Okay. Right now. <laughs> who, who was it? Chris Sullivan. Chris Sullivan. Uh, a couple of chiefs before me. Whatever. He was forty-two whenever he uh, was appointed. Gotcha. Yeah. Huh. Were you 43 when you were appointed then? 42. You were 42. Wasn't yeah. Sullivan the mayor's son-in-law? That is correct. Now, I said that, not you. <laughs> I said it, not you. Yes. <laughs> just putting that out there. So I, in that case, I'll call first place. <laughs> <laughs> just just saying it. Just saying it. <laughs> That's right. Um, so let's just kind of get started. Uh, from from the Alton area, right? Right, yep. I was born, uh, born in Alton, raised in the Godfrey Alton area. Gotcha. Went to Alton High? I did. Um, I actually grew up, I went to St. Ambrose. Went St. to St. Ambrose, Ambrose and Godfrey Kindergarten through 8th. Um, I had two older brothers. I'm the middle child. So mm-hmm. I'm one of five kids. I'm the middle child. Two older brothers before me went to Marquette. Everybody was expecting me to go to Marquette. I actually went to Marquette one year. Then after about one year, ultimately, everybody was like, oh, you remind me of your brothers. My older brother's name's Paco. The other one's Eric. They're like, oh, Paco, Eric, Paco, Eric. And we'll get into this a little bit later. But I was like, well, I want to kind of be myself. I don't like following in that footsteps and i just got tired of it and i went to my parents i was like i want to go to alton high i feel you marcus complete shock yes there we go (laughs) (laughs) so let me so they're like your your parents are like you know let's give them some spanish descent names okay paco we're gonna name him paco polito you know what we're gonna name the next child we're gonna name marcos you know what f it we're just going with eric (laughs) hi eric (laughs) so the joke is ultimately um five kids father uh Father got first pick. The oldest child's, it, I mean, his legal name is Francisco Antonio Polito, but the uh, nickname the for Francisco that. is Paco. And then my mom got second pick, was Eric. And then uh, it was my turn. Um, I was actually going to be a Carlos. I was actually going to be Carlos up until, I think, hours before they officially named me. And my uh, father, we have some, all of our secondary families uh, lives in Chicago. And they had, uh, and I can't remember how it happened, but they said they heard the name Marcos. Marcos is how you pronounce it in Spanish. Um, and my father brought that up to my mother, and she's like, we're changing. It's not Carlos anymore. It's Marcos. Mm. So. What's your middle name? David David. <laughs> <laughs> my mom got that. No. <laughs> so, uh, like I said, you have Spanish descent. That was uh, hence the song. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, who, where, where... How did your family end? Did your parents come from Mexico? Did your grandparents or what? Sure, sure. Grandparents on my father's side. So my grandparents on my father's side, born and raised in Mexico. Um, they came to the United States uh, separately. They did not meet down there. Um, they had uh, pretty actually powerful journeys. My grandfather, um, kind of like the patriarch of, of our family, especially work ethic wise. Um, he was one of many kids and ultimately his father cheated on his mother back in the day and ultimately took the daughters, her, his sisters, um, to from Mexico to California and left him um, to be raised with an aunt. So he was raised with an aunt. In um, California? Um, no, he was raised in, in oh. Monterrey, Mexico. So okay. he, yeah, he was raised in Monterey, Mexico, okay. while his mother and his sisters went to California. And eventually, um, about, teenagers, uh, about teenager age, he decides, hey, I want to go reconnect with my mother. So he has this big, long journey of just leaving, hitchhiking, just along the way, literally from Mexico through Texas, all the way through California, and along the way, um, working in fields and had some interesting, powerful stories there. How old was he at the time? It was he was a teenager, so he was a teenager at the time. I think he would have been sixteen, seventeen, maybe eighteen wow. years old. Yep, that's awesome. Did, yeah. did he know English? Yes, he, yes. he knew he knew a little bit, not not mm-hmm. that much. Um, so obviously, he was raised in Mexico and just kind of listened to the stories. Um, you know, he uh, was 
didn't go to school. I mean, I, th- I can't remember what the last grade that he completed, but it was probably elementary elementary school. Um, but everyone had to contribute. So he would be out, you know, in the uh, intersections in Mexico in the city of Monterey, um, selling chiclets, um, selling newspapers. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And I remember him uh, just, you know, listening to some of the stories. He would say that, you know, I was so excited. I was so excited um, whenever he would sell enough newspapers because if he sold enough newspapers, um, he would be able to get some wrestling ticket and things like that. So anyway. Nacho Libre. Yeah, of course. (laughs) That's right. Lucha Libre. Um, So anyway, kind of do things like that. Um, And then uh, ultimately just made it to California. Long story short, he found out that he had some family outside of uh, St. Louis in a city called Granite City. So he trekked towards Granite City. Because, what a letdown. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we, California so, to come to Granite So we blame him for... Re- no, they, Could uh, have been a California kid. Yeah, no kidding. It could have been on the beach, but instead... Uh, uh, pontoon Beach nearby. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, ultimately, there was a lot of industry along Route 3. Um, they heard there were jobs here. So mm-hmm. that's where he came here. And he ended up uh, living over in St. Louis for a little bit. And then they heard there was a place in Alton called Laclede Steel that was hiring. So he eventually trekked here, uh, but right before that, he ended up meeting my grandmother, who's also from Mexico. Similar story to where her mother was uh, left uh, her husband and eventually just trekked to the United States, the St. Louis area, and they met in the Fairmont City, St. Louis area, because Fairmont City is a, pr- a primarily Hispanic Mexican mm-hmm. population, and they used to have like weekly fiestas. We call them fiestas; they're just like weekly dances, um, and that's actually where they met there um, and. Got together and eventually uh, moved to Alton so my grandfather could work at Laclede Steel. And then that's where they had my father and two aunts. And that's how we got to Alton Godfrey. Now, I, you might have said this, but your your grandmother was of Mexican descent also? Yeah, she was born and raised in Mexico. Oh, so. she was too. Yes. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Did she know, oh, I guess she knew English? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She, they learned it pretty much what, whenever they got here. It's still broken. Um, it's kind of funny. Just, you know, as I was, uh, me and my siblings were being raised, you know, we'd have friends go over to grandma and grandpa's house. Um and uh, they had broken accents where a lot of times um, our friends would not be able to understand what they right. were saying. You know, Spanglish, but then it was just the broken accents. You know, another thing, it's, it's funny that we're talking about your, your family is because a lot of the people that I messaged about you, they, they were just, he's so big in family. Everybody said family, 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 family. So is that, was that, uh, and I know the Mexican culture is very much uh, like that. Is that where it came from for Abs- you? Absolutely. Um, from moment one. Um, I just always remember when I say moment one, just when I was a kid, I just, as far as I can uh, remember, it's always a family event. You know, I was, I was fortunate enough where I had mom and dad in the household and then, you know, one of five kids. So there's seven of us in this household. Um, but it was weekly every other week where we're always going to grandma and grandpa's. I call them my boy, little abuela. Um, we go over to their house, cousins and things like that. In fact, um, on that side, the Hispanic side, I have, uh, two cousins that are our age, and we almost call them brother, sister. And in mm-hmm. fact, um, you know, they have kids and their kids kind of really don't know that we're not uncles, you know, that they think, you know, technically we're, we'd be second cousins, but they call us uncle Marcos and things like that just because we're so tight. And it's been that way from as far as I can remember. That's awesome. Um, so like, when did you know you wanted to be a police officer? No reason I'm saying that because a lot of people, let, let, we, me, let me backtrack okay. real quick. Do you still have family in Mexico? Um, no. Well, yes. So. All of our, so all of our immediate family is here. Secondary family went to Chicago. So a lot of our family from uh, like my grandparents, brothers, and um, you know, so it'd be great uncles and things like that. They eventually came to the United States and almost all of them went to the Chicago area. So Chicago is our, is the closest one or the closest family to Mexico. So no trips to Mexico, see family or? We, so years ago, 
um, yeah, we had a couple road trips. I had my, my oldest brother, Paco, um, studied abroad. Actually, my two oldest brothers studied abroad in Mexico. And whenever Paco, the oldest, studied abroad, he uh, studied in a city called Puebla, Puebla, Mexico, which is way south of Mexico. And we drove that. We drove that from here. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That was a terrible long time. But it was amazing. So along the way, we stopped at several uh, family members house you know so of course i've been to cancun several times in the resort areas and they're beautiful but you know i've a couple times i've gone through mexico where it's like what i call old school mexico real the real city the real country you know into the real cities you know and i'm saying when did you know you want to be a police officer because and i'm not normally ask people hey what did you want to be when you were younger or whatever you know ross want to be what was you want to be nba player yeah i want to be heavyweight champ of the world (laughs) but i but we 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 didn't attain those goals um but like everybody i talked to about you like you want to be a police officer like from an early age like that was just your just you knew it yep and i have no idea why so we have no family in law enforcement you know Mm -hmm. sometimes there's legacies of like father son uncle we have nobody that we know is in law enforcement um and as far as i can remember i've always wanted to just uh, however old however old i was when i was able to ride a bike um, and that's what my parents remember. They said, you just from a young age, you always wanted to. And I remember always just riding my bike. Harassing people, riding your bike yeah. on harassing people? No, wanting to chase people because I want to <laughs> run. I want to run. <laughs> I like to run. <laughs> but um, no, I just from a young age, I can't remember the age, but I remember, you know, five, six years old, just riding, you know, riding around on my bike and just pretending or thinking or wanting to be one. Ross, here's, here's something we all have in common. And I found this out about Marcos. He also had a paper route. Oh, absolutely. I, 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 you know what? Something, something about people with paper routes, I mean, Ross. I don't, we need to do some research on do. this. Okay, we there's do. something with that. Successful people seem to have paper routes. And then there's you and I. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I love it. Love it. <laughs> so, where, where, where would you have a paper route? Um, so I, it was a we. I grew up in a subdivision in Godfrey called Lakeside, which is right off Humbert Road. Lakeside? Uh, yeah, no kidding. I, I just it's, did that. Yeah, I love it. That's what we used to call it. Um, it was Albie and Humbert Road area. Anyway, it was a big subdivision there. So um, Albie and uh, Humbert Road area, there was a big or a bigger subdivision back there, and it was along there. And um, Albie, and I remember, oh my gosh, I don't know how old I was, 12 years old, 11, 12 mm-hmm. years old, and hopping on a bike with, you know, because we delivered them um, in the evening at first, and then it, was, it went to morning, but with two sacks you know because it was uh so many papers that working you those traps early yeah exactly <laughs> two straps but uh i loved it um you think about it now you know because but think about it now i don't know if this would happen but i remember going on my bike and doing the paper route and being gone for hours you know just being gone for hours and going way far away um and well, back when I'm done. we, we, Ross and I have talked to this, talked about this on here before, but the crazy thing about having a paper route back then, um, with the telegraph, I assume it was the telegraph. Yes, it was. Yeah. Is you'd have to go around and collect the money. Uh huh. Uh-huh. It was one, that was a little scam. <laughs> they had. That what the telegraph <laughs> did, did is they work. sold you the papers uh-huh. and then you charged the customers a little more. What a scam yes. that is. We did all you know their work for them. Yes, <laughs> we did. Them. And going around, like now you would never send a kid to, you had to go to every one of those doors, yep. knock on it once, was it once a month? It was, Basically, it was sometimes people would pay you a few months ahead, but if they didn't, you'd have to go once a month to everybody on your route, which there was a lot of papers, 50, 60, 70, 80, 100, I don't know. Absolutely. And you'd knock on the door and have to have them give you money. Yep. I mean, could you imagine sending your children out to do that now? 
And I remember so many times, many people would not be like, hey, can you come back tomorrow? Can you come back oh, the next yeah. day? Oh, so yeah. Yeah, let you're, me you're ride making... my bike yes. eight miles, Karen, and come yes. back and get you freaking $11. <laughs> yes, I would love to do that. Yes. It's 13 degrees out. <laughs> Jesus. Yes, riding a bike in the snow. I mean, I yeah. remember that too many times, and actually, it, you just made it fun. Our mom yeah. took Ross. Shit. Almost fucking snoozing. <laughs> but yeah, then and th- another scam they did is they have a, you, you sign up. It was an, uh, uh, an afternoon paper. Oh, that's all great. And the next thing, you know, they switch it to mornings. When when I did, they switched like they kept the afternoons, but su- they do Sunday mornings. Mm-hmm. And you have to get up the crack ass at dawn and go with the thick old Sunday papers too. Yeah, remember that oh, yeah. You had to put in oh, man, comics ads. Generally, it was two trips. You yes. know, that's when the traps really got big. Yeah, exactly. But so, that that paper route though, I mean. It, it builds you. something. Yeah, it teaches yes. you some stuff there. It really does. Dealing, it teaches you. have to deal, like just collecting money. You learn to deal with people face to face. Do you know what I'm saying? You're asking for money, which isn't easy, although they owe it to yes. you. And even if like they can't pay it at the time, and th- you are actually, if you think about it, if you really think about this, you are operating your own business. Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like you are a paper paper salesman, basically. You know what I'm saying? Yep. You delivered them. Like you'd have to, you know, you do, uh, you do the collections of them. You buy, you know, you're buying and selling, buying at wholesale and selling at retail. I just made that up, Ross. I love like it. That? I don't know. I used to get tipped on my routes. Did you guys was tips involved in your guys? It was, it was but I don't remember it being significant, but I do remember getting a little yep. bit more. Than, but I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie, the people that tipped me and I knew were tipping me, the paper was where they wanted it. You know, <laughs> of course, right, right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um. So then, you know, do you play any sports in school? Yeah, so I played soccer. Basketball. Like, did they make you because you were from Mexican descent? You're like, you I'm playing to, football. Nope, nope, yeah. nope, nope, no, 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 sorry, soccer. sorry, the bud. American football. No, we Marcos football. David Polito, you are playing, <laughs> you're playing soccer. Yeah, played football and American football. Um, no, it was. Uh, I remember Paco and Eric before me. They played soccer. It was mm-hmm. just one of those you're going to play soccer, yeah. and then I liked it, so I played soccer. Um, until I got into high school, I had played basketball because, of course, I'm taller. So, of course, I think automatically got to play basketball. Um, but then in uh, in high school, that's one thing I regret to be honest with you. So I, I played football my, uh, at Marquette my freshman year. I was six one one fifty my freshman year. I was six one one fifty, and I ended up being defensive tackle going up against these offensive guards. Right. And I was like, "What in the heck?" But I loved it because I loved to hit. I just loved the feeling. I just loved to hit. One fifty is pretty big for a freshman. And well, it's funny because then I graduated at six three two twenty five. Wow! I literally, yeah, I swear to you, my senior year I was six three two twenty five. Dang! But, I wasn't uh, even one fifty when yeah. I graduated. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so whenever I went over to Alton High, that's one thing I regret. I didn't play football. I wish I would have. You know, that's one. If I had to ever go back, that's one thing I would do. But I, I, I just intimidated. It was a bigger school. Yeah. They could use you now. If you, if you wanted to go back, they, they, they would take you. <laughs> Eric would. Marquette would definitely take you. <laughs> What's funny is actually Alton High's coach right now is Eric Dickerson. I actually played with uh, him freshman year at Marquette. Oh, wow. Um, so then how do we sort of break our way into law enforcement? And I, I know I've, you know, I've talked to, like I said, some of your friends, family members, the, the couple that you do have friends. Um, and so, you know, how, how, how do you break into that? How does that, because you had, you, like you said, you had that, you knew where you wanted to do, you, you had that, that journey in front of you. Where, where does that start? It started um, freshman year, sophomore year, high school. There was my parents read an article in the newspaper that the Alton police department was getting ready to start up a law enforcement explorer program. I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, ended up being a program that was designed for kids. That was a, a, between the ages of 14 and 21 who were interested in law enforcement and you can get in there. It's almost one of those. 
you get in there and it's almost like a mentorship we'll just call it um and at that point i was getting ready to be 16. um so my mom knew that i uh was interested in it so she's like hey if you're interested we'll take you to a meeting so i showed mm-hmm. up at the first meeting um and ultimately all at this meeting they're like hey as soon as you turn 16 um as long as you maintain good grades and you know don't get in trouble you can actually do ride-alongs i'm like what i'm like heck yeah this is freaking christmas so uh sure enough whenever i was 16 i went for my first ride along and i remember literally within the first hour um i remember the certain type of call we went on i'm like oh yes i want to do this it was just in my blood i'm like i absolutely want to do this so i literally i was an explorer and i did ride alongs um with them from the ages of 16 through 21 so i was in high school doing so when i'm sorry Ross. this this will be one of the most i don't i didn't know this story um but this will be one of the most important parts of this of this podcast because we had talked about it at the end of our last podcast, you had talked about it a little bit on the podcast you were just on over the week, and we ended our last podcast with what would you give? What advice would you give to someone younger wanting to be successful? And both of us came back with kind of a mentorship thing, like you're talking about. I can I can look at myself right now and be like, oh, when I was 14, 15, 16, oh, look at Marcos, he, he's the the rent a cop up there. Mm-hmm. Not being able to see ahead of time because I'm an immature kid. Like, no, he's a fucking genius. He's setting himself up for, he's getting ahead of the game so much. What am I yes. doing at 16 to be what I want to be right now? You know, you're, and, and you're, when we you said, were jerking off to dirty magazines. <laughs> exactly. So, and, and when we said it, what would we say to a younger kid? Well, we probably don't have kids listening to this. So take it a step farther. Parents, yes. teach your kids this stuff. Pass this on to your kids. Like this right here is a prime example of somebody at 16 knowing what they want to do, going out and mentoring, working for them for free, yep. and getting that experience. Absolutely. No, and that's what I love that there's so many different ideas. Uh, there's so many advantages. We can talk about that a little bit. That I was ahead of the game whenever I finally got hired by the Alton Police Department. I was way ahead of the game for so many reasons. Um, and it was exactly because of that. But it's one of those, well, one, just hopefully parents are staying in tune with their kids. Um, and asking them that, but I do realize not every kid wants to, you know, knows what they want to do, but as long as there is an angle is encouraging that because I'm just a naturally an encourager. I always like to do that. And it's up to that person. You want to provide skills to, or opportunities for that person, but it's up to them to take advantage of it. And, and that's exactly what we said on that po- last podcast. So we said, find someone who's doing exactly yep. what you're want to do yep. and tell them, go to them and say, Hey, I want to do what you're doing. How do I do it? How do, and they will take you on. People want to help. They Absolutely. really do. And that, and we, we, I, like Ross said, we had talked about that on this last podcast. I talked about it on that, that the advantage podcast, whatever, same thing, find someone doing what you want to do and Absolutely. they will help you. They will, right. And I said, they will eventually pay you. Yes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. If, it, if they will eventually pay you, which it, yeah. you're a perfect example of that. I mean, I'm so right. Yeah, he had a good point. And it's parents being in tune with their kid, mm-hmm. meaning, Ask your kid questions. Hey, you know, he's 16, 17. What do you want to be when you get older? Right. You know, I think I want to be a lawyer, mom. Well, you know what? I got a friend who's a lawyer. I guarantee you he would let you go shadow him for a few hours a week or something like that. I mean, he'll give you all kinds of work, but it gets gets you into the door, gets you a little bit of experience to see what's going on. Yep. I definitely, I, I actually use that a lot whenever I go talk to uh, kids, high school kids. Um, we actually still maintain a law enforcement explorer post. So we still have that explorer post and we keep that going. And I, I speak to some of the kids just to let them know that I started there as well, um, just for that encouragement. But not only that, but it's one of those, I do know several people who I was explorers with who were my age, 
who ultimately went on a few ride-alongs were like, this is not what I want to do, which perfect. I thought was yeah, just perfect. as good. Yes, it was absolutely. just as good because they didn't have to, you know, they would have probably wait, gone to college. years and years mm-hmm. and then go to like the academy and then come or out. go to college and, like, and get a bachelor's yeah, in criminal come, justice. Like, I hate this. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I, I think, Ross, I think, I'm pretty sure whenever I, my illustrious police career, illustrious. that Marcos was a, a an explorer. explorer to time. Oh, I was. Yeah, yeah. I, re- I remember seeing him in there. He yeah. comes in like this big old freak, and then I'm like, Jesus Christ, what the? This right. is an ex- explorer. <laughs> but but I knew who you were because I remember. I think you went to was it 480.02, and I remember like you were one of the fastest guys at the academy whenever you went to the academy. Is that right? <laughs> what? Yeah, that's what I heard. What? Yeah, so it was all about uh, pizza. Or he's, like that. he's he's ripping me, Ross. Yeah. I <laughs> There's what? a and there... my sarcasm is <laughs> right there with it. In my defense, I'm gonna tell a little story. Uh, so when, whenever, uh, right before I got hired on at the Alton police department, and this is, this is just, this is, this explains my whole police career in, in one story right here. Some people are right hearing this for the first time. They (laughs) They probably, yeah, I don't know if I've told many, but so I basically right before I got hired, uh, I like just blew my knee out in a mosh pit at, uh, point fest. The greatest thing that ever happened to you during your police years or year or months was the shirt that you still have from that the I'm wearing Academy. right now. <laughs> <laughs> that so I said is impressive that you can still fit into it. That's good because most people cannot. A little tight in the biceps. Um, of course. So I blow out the knee at this mosh pit just in there. You know, it's one of those fest point fest. You've been drinking all day. I ran into you there. Ran into just <laughs> woke up the next morning. My knee is a balloon. I can't even hardly walk on. I think it was like. A week later, what they did at the police department, when they hired you, they come in and give you a tour, and I think you meet with the chief and talk to them and things like that. So Ty had had knee surgery, I don't know, like a few weeks or a month, and so he had these aspirins or whatever. They're like 800 milligrams. So I took like a crap ton of those. So to get to my car before driving to the police department to meet with him, I was on crutches. So I get there. I leave the crutches. I don't want them to see me. I'm supposed to go to the police. They're gonna, I knew they were going to send the first class to the academy a certain amount of time. I didn't want them to see that. So I leave the crutches in, dude, and I'm wearing a suit. And I come walking, dude. I'm walking like not limping. And, dude, sweat is Every step. Every step. Dude, sweat is just running down me. And so then I had – it wasn't that long after that I went to the academy. And so my my knee was not healed. I got this like I don't know. Somebody gave me like this heavy duty giant brace that I wore the whole time. And yeah, running there was a was a slight problem. Did you ever go to the doctor and get your knee checked out? No, no, just no. that just healed. Yeah, gotcha. heal my. That's why I am. I heal myself, Ross. Oh, heal myself. There we go. There we go. <laughs> you know, you and I have beat COVID nine, ten times already. Yeah. You know. So did you? Any other jobs like 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 before the police department? Yep. So I remember. Um, so I was an explorer, and I did ride-alongs. It was weekly, and I remember the maximum amount of hours I could ride because they said you know hours. Well, they didn't want us hanging out there all the time, I imagine. But it was twenty-four hours. So I would ride a minimum because I ended up getting friends with like the lieutenant, one of the bosses there, and he mm-hmm. let me ride a little bit more. But I would ride a minimum of twenty-four hours a week while in high schools from sophomore year, junior year, senior year. And um, as we talked before, I had, you know, a, a paper route. And even before I turned 16, I was mowing grass with a neighbor. We had a neighbor who owned a lawn business. And I was like, I want to work. I want to get my own money. I want to do this. I want to do that. Um, but whenever I became, it was right before I turned 16, um, I worked at Ponderosa. 
Ooh. Ponderosa. <laughs> Are they still around? No, they're no. not. Yeah. <laughs> no, I may have ruined that. But Ponderosa. Um, then I went to National, um, which is the uh, Schnooks and Godfrey right now. It used to be a National. Oh. I was a bagger and a, uh, and a cart person for a while. And then um, I ended up working at Holiday Inn. Um, I was a, uh, I set up banquets and things like that, but I was looking to, as soon as I turned 18, um, but so I was working all those hours after school, but also doing ride alongs on the weekends and throughout the week, throughout the week. Um, but I ended up, uh, when I turned 18, I wanted to work some security jobs uh-huh. and I worked security jobs, worked at, uh, I was a rent a cop. I was a Paul Blart. I was at Al- Alton Square. I worked there for a little bit. <laughs> nice. Um, but that, again, that's you're like you're in the security. I mean, and, and security and, and we, you make fun, but I mean that goes kind of hand in hand with with law enforcement. Yeah. You're working closely with them. And that's where I got my first uh, real fight in a uniform type thing. I had uh, some shoplifter run, and I ended up catching them. And not on my watch. Nope. <laughs> nope. Yeah. I didn't even get to. Yeah. I had to do it on foot too. But anyway, uh, my radio came out. He picked it up and he. Smiled smoked me right across my face with the radio and it was on at that point yeah (laughs) um and uh that was the first and what was weird is even though it was you know okay i I was 18 years old at that time i'm like what is this but i'm like oh yeah oh yeah i'm good i like this i like this you know what i had to work one time with the police department was a retail detail do you remember that that they put all i don't remember that no it was after i got back from the academy they put all new people like we had to work the malls and all the the stores the around, stores. Oh, yeah. like you, you were, you're a cop at the time, but uh-huh. you had to go and just that basically you just walked around the malls at Christmas time. Visible presence trying to prevent yeah. those robberies and retail thefts. Yeah. I, I hate to tell more, more cop stories about <laughs> me, but they're kind of funny. So one time when I, where I was a retail detail, I, uh, I drove like, like I lived in Alton at the time. So I drove the police car home, squad car, mm-hmm. drove it home to get, to eat lunch. And so I'm eating lunch and I'm walking around doing things at my house and I walk by the window. I'm like, oh shit, there's a police car. My dad. What the fuck? What do they want? And then all of a sudden it hit me. Wait, that's me. <laughs> that's awesome. Of course. That's probably when you know you shouldn't be a cop. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> shortly this, thereafter. Shortly this thereafter. is not going to last very long. <laughs> Love it. So did you, did you go to college at all? Yeah, I did. I went to Lewis and Clark. So, um, working all these hours, I ended up, um, I went to Lewis and Clark, um, in the middle of, and I was still doing, so I was still doing ride alongs. Um, I was still working. Um, at that point I, I got hired at Alt Memorial, uh, security. So I was working on Alt Memorial security right after I graduated high school, um, going to college. And my goal was, so you had to be 21 to test, like you had to be 21 to test with the police department. So that's what my goal is. I'm just shooting for that, shooting for that. Um, and ultimately, right, as I'm getting ready to turn 21 in April, um, I hear that Alton's going to test in March. So the month before, and I'm told, hey, you can't test because you're not 21. I'm like, what in the crap? They only test once once a year? Yes. Uh-huh. That's Yeah, and that's that's not guaranteed they test once a year. So I'm like, mother. So um, I had some friends that, I, um, that were police officers already that um, – we're like, well, you can actually can maybe get hired part time in Grafton, because I heard Grafton is hiring, and you can maybe go through some training, and maybe that can just be oh. your stall point. So you're a Grafton cop, yeah. Ross. No one likes Grafton uh-huh. cops, do they? How many Grafton cops are there? Well, I shouldn't Probably say that because total. actually, I yeah. should never mind. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, I'm subscribing. <laughs> I owe you a favor anyway. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> never mind. Daddy can't edit that. Love you, Scrog. S- seriously, how many how many cops are in? I have no idea now. Hmm. Um, I think oh, no. at, at the time there were only, I think, three full-time ones and everyone else was, was a part-time one. Hmm. Um, 
but I was just doing that as a filler and I was very honest with them and told them, you know, what my ultimate goal was. So I, uh, I worked there and Alt Memorial at the same time. In fact, I made more money an hour at Alt Memorial than I did at Grafton. <laughs> when I got hired in Grafton, I was making $7 and 47 cents an hour, Wow, seven forty-seven, making more at Alt Memorial. And at that point I had already moved out of my house or my parents' house. I was just, you know, of course, silly where I'm like, I'm independent. I want to do my own thing. <clears throat> You're ghetto rich. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, uh, Anyway, yep, got my own apartment, got my own car, and now I'm like, oh, crap, I got a lot of bills to pay, and right. that's more than what I thought. So, um, no, so I, I, I did all that. I actually left the house shortly after I was 18 years old because I wanted to grow up and do everything by myself. But uh, ended up uh, working in Grafton for just under a year. Alton tested the next year, and I got hired at 22. So I got hired with Alton at 22 years old. Now, like you said, you lived in Alton when you were a cop because mm-hmm. you had to, right? Yes. Did you have to? Work? Yes. Uh, yeah, we had to. Ne- no, did you have to live in Grafton? No, 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 no. I actually was living at Alton and driving back and forth to Grafton. Yeah, the part time. I don't even think the full timers had to. I'm really not sure about that, but I know since I was part time at Grafton, I did not have to, but I just commuted. Um, is that before like the loading dock and everything? No, before, it was open. Oh, it was, was open. It turned, yeah, yeah. Because, it was open. And I remember part of the um, what they said is, you know, like, hey, just you know, go out and just do your PR stuff um, at the loading dock and Raging Rivers. And I was like, Raging Rivers too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I like public relations, communication. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Got to have communication. Picking up on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then uh, get hired. Where do you go to the academy? Um, went to uh, BAC or South, what is it now? Southwestern Illinois College in Belleville. Um, we were scheduled to go to Illinois State Police um, Academy. We got booted out. Um, our Alton got booted out by another department who I guess had more priority over us. So I ended up going to the academy. And, and what's that mean for somebody like me that's no idea? Sure. How, how does a Sure, Illinois City get booted out. That's probably internal politics, to be honest with you. I mean, probably the uh, lucky, lucky. Yeah, I would would think you'd want them to go to Illinois State Academy. So the state, this at the time, the state had several places uh, within the state that that were certified to be a police academy. Illinois State Police was the main one, and then our backup in Alton was BAC or Southwestern Illinois College. but everyone in the state was also sending people to Illinois State Police. Um, so I guess at the time, I don't know the internal politics to it, but it benefited me because it was uh, it was definitely easier to go to BAC. There's no doubt about it. So you get hired on. Okay. So uh, your dream is attained, basically. Um, real quick, and I'm not skipping ahead. I just want to ask quickly. Wait, did you think one day I'm going to be chief? I want to be chief. Was that just something you thought about? And what I know we're skipping way ahead and we're going to come back, but I just want to know that. Absolutely not. It no. never. I remember just people had brought up, oh, what's your ultimate goal? And I never wanted to be a chief. I just thought that was too administrative. I, I was, I wanted to be on the streets. I wanted to do this. It mm-hmm. never crossed my mind mm-hmm. and it never really did up until only probably three or four years ago. Right. Um. So you get hired on. So you're 22 at this point. Yep. 22. Um, so speaking of speaking of sp- yeah, speaking of sirens, uh-huh. uh, damn it, Ross. Marcos just ran out, <laughs> I'm, and Todd got another desk. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so you get hired on. Is it everything like you'd hoped for? It was you know what I'm saying where you were you into it as you thought you would be? Absolutely, I loved yeah. every bit of it. Um, naturally, some of us um, that get in law enforcement, you know, there's there's no doubt that we have that need to be needed. So we always want to try to help someone. We mm-hmm. always want to try to help change something or help influence something for a positive way. So there's no doubt that, but I also love adrenaline. You know, I just love the exciting things. I don't like, you know, the, the 
stereotypical idea of sitting in an office all day and not doing anything. I like being out and about. I like change. I like Mm -hmm. stuff that's fluid on the fly. So whenever I get out there, I'm like, absolutely. I just, I love this. And then not only that, because of the Explorer thing, I was just so far ahead of everyone else because I was, I was used to not only just the streets, but the lingo, the communication, the, the way of doing things. And I, that's one of the things that I learned because most of our job is communication. It's just being able to, if, it, if it's nonverbal or verbal, but just watching these officers for years while I'm 16 years old and trying to grow up as a kid himself. You, you know, felt just, like you were finally like off a leash. Yes, you know what I'm, I'm like, saying? I'm finally, like, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> right? Absolutely. The whole time, those years that you wanted to do that, you're, you're just yeah. sitting and can't do anything. You're just uh-huh. watching. Yep. It's like watching an episode of Cops on TV where you just can't <laughs> yes. can't do anything. Uh-huh. Um, now, here's, here's a question, and I like to get a truthful answer out of you, okay? So, Ross, when you get hired on an Alton, one of the things after you leave the academy, one of the things you have to do to kind of, I don't know if to get off probation or what it is, and I want a truthful answer out of this guy, okay? He probably isn't going to want his young officers his, but you have to draw up maps of the streets of Alton, like every street. You have to draw every street, Ross. Wow. Like you're thinking, you're thinking just a couple. No, Ross, side streets, main <laughs> streets, every freaking street. Okay, and maybe if you're from Alton, it's not quite as hard. But if you're a directional idiot like me, I. I mean, so I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be truthful because that's what we do on here, Ross. Somebody gave me, somebody gave me their old drawn up, drawn up ones. And I was going to redraw them. And then like, you know what? I'm just going to photocopy. These Again, ones. another sign that you probably shouldn't be doing that. So, Marcos, uh-huh. we need the truth. Todd, we need you down on 6th Street. Where's that? I got, I got Mike in one hand. I got a steering wheel. Here. I'm flipping the pages with my knee on the map, that little map book. Uh-huh. So, and, and but, I was, but I wasn't the only one that did that. Yeah. But that, that is impressive. How hard I, that would be? I'm sitting here. I'm terrible with directions. Hand, mm-hmm. You're hand drawing them. Yes. Hand drawing mm-hmm. them and, and yeah. labeling I, every street in Alton. And 100 blocks. And the 100 blocks yes. to every street. One, so 100 block, 200 yeah, block, yeah, 200 yeah, block. Yeah, that's... You should see uh, How long things. would that take me to build to do if, in Bethalto? Yeah. Like, I've lived here my whole life. It I, took me three minutes in Alton. <laughs> I had to drive his house and hand them to I, I, That officer's name will not, I will not say it, but... <laughs> so, Marcos, yep. are we or do you, do you want to uh, abstain? Do you nope, want to abstain from this? So did you, did you draw your own? So I did. So here's uh, the first uh, three to four weeks. Nerd. But hey, here, there was no doubt he drew his own. Three to four weeks, but then afterwards... My FTO was like, I'll be honest with you. You've already been with us for a while. You don't have to. And he just you, let me pass. You probably yeah. knew all the streets at that Most point. Of them, You've been yeah. driving Most them for, them, for yeah. years. It's still a pain to draw them all out. It doesn't yeah. matter. Oh, they're a pain in the butt. So they, is they still have still to do that? They still have to. Oh, yeah. We still have to. You guys, I don't know if you guys have heard about this. It's a Alton, phone. Mm-hmm. But there's a GP. There's things yes. called GPSs out right. there. <laughs> yep. Uh-huh. But I like it. You keep yeah. it old school. Keeping it old school primarily, it's just all familiarization too. In the reason, yes. I mean, it, even though it's I see why you button, do it. Yeah, absolutely. It's just muscle memory because you yeah. create that, and then the goal is for them to try to remember landmarks and stuff like that. Because yeah, everybody has a phone now, but it may take them ten seconds to freaking type everything in the phone. Whenever now you're gonna right. start heading towards a different other direction. departments make people do that. That's a good point. I don't know. No. I don't know. I've never but heard of any now. until I just brought it up and just thought about it. I've never heard anybody ever talk about it. Same either. here. I, yeah. I haven't either, so I, I don't know. 
I but try. I try to do it, Ross. Chief Wells, come on, Bruce. I try to do it. Here's Todd trying. Okay. Uh, yeah. Oh, no. Uh, so I'm time good. out is All right. Here. Who can I get this <laughs> test from? Absolutely. Uh-huh. Dude, it was the hard. And I, I don't know the streets. So I'm trying. Uh, first, I'm trying to drive. Like, uh, okay, you this, you didn't this. even remember that you parked the cop car in front of your house. How the fuck are you going to draw the city of home? Do you don't remember that address? Shoot. So, I don't know how you, you word this so like did you move up the ranks quick or i mean in i mean you can be honest with yeah. what i'm saying i mean yeah, you know absolutely. what the no uh internally so uh within our own police department um so typically to become a detective it, it was routinely at that time because we had a bigger department back then i think when i hired on there was like 77 or 78 officers mm-hmm. um, how many are there now 62 down 60 oh absolutely we're down. down and that's budgeted like you don't budget want to be down you, no you that's know. just for years it's just one of those what everybody has done cutting you know cost cutting absolutely. cost we get rid of this salary Attrition. we get rid of this set you know this guy yeah. retired we don't hire know. back oh yeah you yep know. so now yeah now we're down to 62 but so at the time um it was re- it was you wouldn't make a detective if you wanted to become detective for eight ten years that type of stuff um it's like an internal promotion, we'll call it, because you don't really officially get a pay raise or anything like that, Like, but you're going to get more overtime. But um, at four years, um, they approached me and said, hey, um, the boss up in detectives needs a detective and they want you. And I was like, it, it was impressive. I was caught off guard because I didn't expect it for a while because I, I eventually wanted to become one, but I didn't expect that to be on the table for a while. But So I went in detectives um, and then uh, that's whenever things really got real because that's whenever I really liked it. I love the streets, but it got real in detectives. Now were the like other officers that maybe got bypassed, were they, were they pissed? Potentially, but I don't, um, I've been very fortunate. And I think again, when, because I was an explorer for so long, I had familiar, like uh, right. I've been, they familiar. felt like you were sort of an employee. Absolutely. Like, yes. yeah. and, and in fact, to the point where, so, you know, everybody knows, Hey, what's your badge number? All that other stuff. So in Alton, our badge number is a four digit number. It's the first two years that you were hired. And then the number that you were hired in that year. Um, so I was hired officially in 2000. So, to, you know, my DSN or badge number is 0008. I was the eighth one hired in the year of 2000. But, um, a lot of the officers that I worked with for a while forgot that I was hired in 2000 cause I was an explorer for so long. Cause I did my first uh, ride along in 1994. So I remember every now and then they'd be like, I forgot you were hired in 2000. Cause I thought you were like in the mid nineties. Right. Right. So I don't, so I was that very probably helped. It, yeah. it definitely did. I also just for familiarization and kind of like building credibility early and that type of stuff. So I, I don't remember hearing a lot of, uh, flack or i didn't get a lot of flack for going up to detectives early did you like detectives i loved it yeah i loved it mainly i, I love communication I, lo- I love all types of communication verbal nonverbal. that um you think you'd be better at on the microphone but you would know well, you know no. you're lucky and sitting down <laughs> <laughs> i, I kind of wish there was a video i'd be walking around or actually i would have danced at the beginning um made it no super one awkward. wanted to see that <laughs> i would have made it super awkward so you like the de- detectives i did i, re- yeah. I really like it because you know, there's no doubt in patrol, there was the adrenaline that you got and you get more direct impact with victims and things. But, um, I just, I, I love detectives. One thing people don't realize about like being a police officer is there's a lot of downtime in a car mm-hmm. and I, I don't want to be dramatic, but sort of lonely time where right. like it's, it's four o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday, nothing's going on and you're just by yourself sort of in a car. Right. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's the, uh, the unglorified part of it. You yep. know, the patrol officers, their office is the car. I mean, everything they have, their, their office is a mobile car. Right. Um, and they are in some, they're in and out of the car all the time. Or if there's, you know, one of those rare nights, it is kind of quiet. You're in that car until you get out. And that's right. Why some officers get injured because they're locked in that car for so long. As, right. as a detective, are you set on like certain hours? So, or is, uh, are you kind of on call? Like, Hey, this just happened. And 
Mm-hmm. So we would work, uh, typically we would work straight days, but then you would have a person who was specifically on call. But if something bigger happened, like a shooting, you would get called in. So I remember more often than not getting called in whenever I wasn't on call. So um, we jokingly said you're married to your phone because if anything happened, I think back then we had a little bit of a pager issue too. You know, I remember mm-hmm. pagers. Um, but no, you're married to the phone. Um, and even though you thought you had the weekend off, you don't have the weekend off if something bad happens. Yeah. Um, and we're not going to hit like all the jobs you did there just because there's so many like the ones I read off. But what was kind of the most rewarding job that you've done there, like title or most rewarding thing you were a part of there as far as like task force or anything like that? Just being, I'll be honest, like being involved in detectives was amazing because it was all aspects of crime. Um, I ended up, uh, there's a lot of homicides, a lot of shootings. Um, it was, I was a, uh, I remember, so I got put into, de- into detectives maybe June-ish. July 4th of that year, we had a homicide um, and ended up getting a suspect. And I remember I've been in detectives for one month and there's <laughs> other seasoned detectives. And I remember my boss sending in one other detective to go in there to interview him. He's like, Polito, you're going in with him. And I was so intimidated. I'm like, I've just been in here like a month. Like I'm still trying to learn what am I, what am I supposed to do? But he's like, you know how to talk. Just keep this guy talking. Um, and then we'll eventually get to the other details. And that's just where I kind of learned, you know, the aspect, a lot of people think detective work is like that Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes stuff. We're always trying to find one clue to another clue. And sometimes it is, but basically it's just communication. It's trying to get Mm -hmm. somebody comfortable to talk to you about something horrific that they seen or did, because you're talking all aspects of society. Some people don't want to talk to you and it's about developing that rapport. That's why I just, I love communication. As the chief now, does that ever come into play where you do that? You ever come down and talk to somebody that like, Oh we can't get anything out of this guy, and we know. Bring in Marcos. <laughs> bring in, bring yes. in the chief. Do you ever step in and, and I, I, I actually have, I haven't, but we have a fantastic group of detectives. No, I haven't. They know I would. Uh, yeah. Even the assistant chief, Jarrett Ford, he was in detectives with me for a long time, and he, he and I were interviewers. We've interviewed a lot of people together. We would in a heartbeat, but we just have a, we have a skilled set of detectives right now. But no. And I, I know you want to hear more about my police career, Ross. <laughs> but so <laughs> who doesn't? I, I, <laughs> so I had been there. I had gotten out of the academy. I'd been there like a month or something. It's like every story you get into and you start telling, it all of a sudden it brings old it, memories it, it up really to time. Really like, it like, really is. Right, I don't right. exactly things I just haven't thought of. So, <laughs> so I had been there like a month, and I don't know why. I think they just wanted me to get experience or mm-hmm. whatever. But I went to like Sounds somebody got very sh- familiar from what we just heard. Somebody got <laughs> shot. Like it wasn't far from. I lived on uh, Hillcrest, mm. up, not the greatest area up there, but Hillcrest. And somebody got shot like on Hillcrest, and for some reason they sent me to the autopsy uh-huh. so i had been there like a month and mm-hmm. i'm in an autopsy mm-hmm. of someone getting shot yep. like and like you watch them like saw that like i watched this little oh, the, yeah. the uh the uh Ooh. the corner yeah or the pathologist the doctor she was like this little bitty foreign lady like she mm. was tiny mm-hmm. okay and this is the dude that got shot was a big man and she and she doesn't know if i'm I don't, she has no idea what i'm doing there so she was like hey you help me and so dude i'm I'm grabbing like the dude by the arm and the leg and like flipping this dead body over it's, and then like holding it while she can examine the back. And I think something got you shot never forget. Dude, I, yes. And like there's the smell and like you, they, they give you stuff to put under your nose. Like yes. it's, and like I'm holding, I'm like, dude, what? I shouldn't be holding a dead body. And then she takes like this, this little, it's like just like a little power saw, like you'd like a carpenter would use. And dude, you yes. ready for this? Mm-hmm. I'm standing. She saws off the top of his head uh-huh. his cranium his skull and i'm standing there. 
she scoops. I, Are you looking away? No, I'm no, I mean, I can't. I, I felt like you know at the time, no, and do like kind of scoops out the brain with like almost like a ice cream scooper. And so anyway, they're doing all this, and they, the, the organs are all out, like laying on this big Yeah, metal. what were you doing there? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so like all the organs are sorted, and she finished up the thing, and then they just take all the organs, like, and he was split down like the middle or whatever, they had opened them up, and they just throw them, everything, the, like every, everything just goes right back in like in here, like not in any real order, just throw it. She kind of like sews them up with like some string from a weed eater or whatever stuffs and like all the bloody like napkins and paper towels just stuffs those inside <laughs> like inside the head like it went inside the head i'm like what am i doing what's going on what's the reasoning for something like that like why why open them up and look and then sure. so um it's to find that evidence to be able to officially find the cause of death so they're able to go up even though someone got shot they have to be able to prove mofo had a bullet hole in him Ross. <laughs> yeah exactly so they got to be able it looks to... like we know why yeah. ed is dead there <laughs> Because <laughs> defense attorneys may go, you know, yeah, a heart attack, you know, other silly things. So it, it's it's their way of documenting going in the body and finding out what the bullet hit, what they struck, and all that other stuff. It's they might have said like he forget. got shot, but he died of a heart attack, and so they're trying to say, yeah, right, that would cause. Yeah. He got shot in the head, but he died of COVID. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Finally, you say something funny. Yeah. Well done, <laughs> well done, Ross. Way to bring a point. So uh, this is kind of off your career path, but like. I mean, I, there's never been a harder time ever to be a police officer in this era. Right. Right. With, with just video, like with, with phones and videos and things like that. You see this all the time. I see these videos on social media all the time where people just go up and they provoke police officers. Yes. Like they'll walk up to you with a camera in your face. Like, Hey dickhead. Hey, you want to blah, 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 blah. blah. And that's not breaking the law. Right. Uh, technically that's not breaking the law now you did that back in the 80s you're getting hit over the head with freaking Veloff's freaking wooden baton do you know what i'm saying he's gonna charles bronson you across the freaking the nose it it, whether that's right or wrong i don't know but but just they walk up and they provoke you know you can't do anything because you do them you grab them or something like that then it's going viral and that's what they want you to do right you know it's terrible i'll be honest with you so the patience that these officers have now is amazing because I it would be very difficult um, for that because and that's what that's what's affecting a lot of the psyche of some of these guys right now some of these uh, officers that are on the street but mm-hmm. they're they're impressive I mean for how patient they are but it does it sucks for them and I feel bad for them you know there's a lot of weird laws out there like if you walk up to me and you see me on the street and you say hey I, let me see your ID you know what I'm saying something like that like and there's certain laws where you really it's not really legal I don't really have to give it to you but we all I mean to me it's a respect thing hey right. you got you're, you're asking me for a reason right. something you know what I'm saying you've seen another handsome muscular guy walking around you know what I'm saying it looks who would that have been <laughs> Bench, is 250 250 uh and, and I see that, but like, and there's certain laws like that, you know, that are kind of hidden. Like, people don't have to give it to you. Do you know what I'm saying? And, and you see a lot of that going on. You know, like, do you, do you do you brief your officers? Do you guys have like training or something on how to deal with that type of crap? So, are you talking about just like people provoking, questioning, you. questioning Pro- or, or any type of pr- provocation stuff like yes, that? Go back yes. to the provoking. Is that something you guys are now trained on? More so than it is, but I mean, just like with many things in life, yeah, you can go to a structured class that tells you how to breathe <laughs> right. and how to do things like that. But could you tell Ross how to breathe on the microphone? Because it's driving me crazy over there. I'm still still trying to catch my breath from this morning. Still trying to get there. It's a good eight dollars you paid. The uh, 
but experience is the best teacher, you know? So yes, we, we, we send some people to train, you know, training and tactical breathing and a variety of different things, but experience is the best teacher. And then it's accountability from your other cohorts too, because if they see you starting to get upset or whatever, they're going to, they're going to be the ones that kind of bring you down. So there is some training, but experience is the best teacher. And unfortunately just trial by fire, they're getting thrown in there because things change. This, this job is changing all the time, but, uh, I mean, they're, they're so obviously they're skilled and they're supposed to be taught, you know, the what, when you can ask for an ID and not, but no, you get a lot of challenging people and just cause they're challenging doesn't mean it's wrong, but it's just the provoking where they're trying to provoke something bad. You're like, I mean, there's like, there's like sites on the internet where people, that's what they do. Yeah. They oh, yeah. follow police officers around and just try to do that. Yeah. I mean, I would like to have a, like the police department should pay me like on the side to follow <laughs> those them, people. And then, them home. Yeah. And just beat the, you know, yeah. nope. <laughs> that would be a great and then My website would be following you. <laughs> yeah. Probably watch the that. people that follow cops. <laughs> yes. well, I said, write that down. Ross. That's yeah, a that's big, down. that's a moneymaker right there. That's it. No, it, it, it happens. Um, it happens to our guys routinely. We've even had people come in our police department, even as of like a couple of weeks, a month ago, where through the window he's recording but just challenging and asking silly questions and just trying to provoke responses mm-hmm. physical responses they want to go viral mm-hmm. they want to go viral or sue you of one of the two oh, yeah. um here's what i hate and people don't get this now with the whole cameras and things like this and of course police officers need to be held accountable i Absolutely. get that but now you have to make split second life changing decisions mm-hmm. you know taking a life saving a life whatever so when these things happen like, like seriously, when I say split second, I mean, you have half a second to decide what to do in certain situations. And now with these cameras and people doing things like that, it makes you hesitate just, you know, a second, you know, a couple seconds before making that split decision, split decision, which can cost your life, someone else's life or whatever. Right. Absolutely. And then not only that, but just some of the consequences that have happened to other people that may have been, you know, found legal, but they still were either disciplined and or in trouble. Um, so that also makes them hesitate. Um, but now with that, just, we all know video, yeah, video is good, but video truly is tunnel vision. Video is only what it shows you here. It doesn't show you before. It doesn't show, it doesn't show the feeling. It doesn't show you out of breath. It doesn't show you what happened 30 seconds before or the other information you may have known or not known. When everybody watches a video, they already know the result. Whenever somebody is watching a video of something on there, they already know what happened. And then now they're getting to critique that video. You know, it's almost you know, like a referee making something, you know, a split second decision. Now everybody's looking at it for 20 minutes. Training and you hit a good point. They don't know if you're out of breath, you've been running, you've chased this guy for, they show the final look, whatever clip they want. Right. Tw- they 10 edit, seconds, yeah, they, 20 they seconds. They, they, they can edit, edit it. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then it's out like that on social media yep. Yep. and now you're, everybody's jumping on board. They have no idea why this happened right. before the they're all is, making their opinions. Yeah. And they already, and they have, and, be honest with you, I think they are, most of them already have because they know the result because they already know like the title of the video is going to be like officer shoots man or officer does. So they already know what happened as opposed to at the time an officer doesn't know what the heck is going on. And there mm-hmm. have been some officers who have done some silly things. Well, and, but not and all do. you know, you being in Alton for so long, okay, you know, the shitheads. Okay. And I'm sorry about that. Nancy get Nancy get Lindsay doesn't like my cussing on here. She really hates all your customers. <laughs> anyway, but you know, I mean, and you don't want to judge people, but but the same. There's a lot of the same troublemakers all the time. Do you, like do you see a guy, you know, and saying John Smith, who you've over the ten year period, you've had to wrestle him, fight him. You've seen him beat his wife. You've seen him assault people. You've seen him do this and do that. Like they don't know that when you're approaching him, you're approaching him with a little more caution, and you're you're doing. You're reacting differently to John Smith 
than you would be, you know, S- Sally uh, Sally Johnson over there. Do you know what I'm saying? Just because of because you've had these experiences. Yep, experiences. Then not only that, but you're also taught. It's just like even um, you, you're taught to always be prepared. You don't know what the end result is going to be. So even somebody who may look like they're not going to do anything, they may do something. Um, in fact, you know, a lot of people that are either resisting or fighting us now, while they're resisting and fighting, they're saying, I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing anything. You know, right. so it's, yes. it's yes. so you, you never know. So, you know, in the officer's mind, as you're approaching something, even though you're trying to smile and say, Hey, this and what's going on, but you're also trying to be prepared for any events that something happens, but not something happens, not even just in front of you, but what behind you, because sometimes it happens as somebody's driving by or the friend comes by and gets you from behind or you mm-hmm. know, things like that. There's a lot going on. Like you said, these things they say, like, they'll be like, hey, what am I doing? I'm not resisting what they're actually resisting. They're just saying out loud so it gets caught on the audio. But I remember, like, when I was at the police academy, like, there was was a phrase they were using back then, like, officers are supposed to use. Like, what can I do to help you? What can I, something, it was something like that. What what can I do to help you or help me help you? Is there anything I can say or do that will. There was something like that. Mm -hmm. And we would be saying, just beating the crap out of each other. Because we would work, we would be doing it, like, on the trainees on each other. Uh-huh. Like we've been, and you're supposed to be saying that way, and we're just beating the crap out of each other while we're having fun. Here's the fourth sign. Of, <laughs> <laughs> but in all, being real, I mean, their job, your job, one of the toughest jobs. I mean, absolutely, and most important jobs. And, and take even the video and social media out of it. I mean, all those split those split second decisions you got to make, even with all that stuff out is uh, I don't think a lot of people understand or even try to put themselves in that, in the shoes of an officer. Oh, they could I mean, never do it. Yeah. They couldn't do it. You don't know, have them pull over a car at 3 a.m. Yeah. yeah. I'm saying no one else is around. I'm it's a grown man. And I think about and that. I'm scared. You got to walk up to that up car. You have no freaking clue who's in that. Maybe you're in a bad area. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it, like people don't realize what that feeling is of the, yeah. the unknown every time. Absolutely. You know, they'd walk up there with their just, just sort of hand at the ready. Do you know what I'm saying? They would. I mean, it's people just, they, people like to sit back and critique that have no idea what they're doing. The experience. You know? Yeah. The experience. Yes. Yep. It's um, so, so you, and we kind of touched on this a little before. So like you're down at pride three days a week, four days a week now, sometimes, you know what I'm, I'm saying? making the five thirty now. Yeah. Um, and so, so what's that? Especially if Ross is going to be there. I'm not bringing like, wings. I, I like that little thug hug you two gave each other. That was okay. 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 He ain't giving you free wings. You know that, right? You can hug him all you want. Never mind. Don't come Ross. <laughs> um, so, you're in incredible shape. You know what I'm saying? And the circuit and stuff we do down there is, so what, what is your, what's your motivation to get in shape? You know, function, oh, two things functional, but one of the main real reasons is mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I have had some past conversations about this. Um, early on, I, w- um, I wish I would have had circuit when I was uh, during my pace career. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds anyway. like you needed it yes. anyway. <laughs> yep. Um, just the mental health. Um, I, I truly believe physical fitness, um, is a decompressor. It's a mm-hmm. complete decompressor. Um, everybody, in my opinion, a lot of people, everybody needs that downtime, that de- you know, whatever you need to detach yourself from that. Um, you know, this career field is, you know, it's, it's, you're mentally you're mentally jockeying the whole time. You know, my, my personality anyway, my ADD, like I'm hundred miles an hour anyway, there's a thousand things going on in my head. Um, so there's a lot of stuff going on at work, but I love the workout because it is that mental decompression. Um, it's that mental health, uh, detachment. Um, it's, 
saved some medicine and prescriptions and, and things like that. You know, we've all gone through, uh, to, we've all gone through a lot of bad things in our life. And I, you know, I've talked about this a lot before about humanizing the badge, you know, and I can get into that later if you want, but humanizing the badge, just not only just reminding our officers that nobody, no matter who they contact, they're a human who has their own story and you don't know what they're thinking of, but keeping in mind, we're also humans too. So the problems that you're having at home, um, or the good things that you're having at home, we are too, you know, so we may be having that bad day or going through, you know, a struggle of, you know, children or divorce or this or that. And then, you know, you're, then all of a sudden you are, um, going to work and trying to manage a thousand things at once. Um, so I, I've, I got into physical fitness years ago, just as one of those to be functional because I, I didn't want myself, um, to be overweight and felt like I could not perform because again, I want to help people and I, I would be not be able to live with myself if I knew my, my weight or something got in the way where I couldn't go run and help someone or go fight, you know, to help defend someone. Um, so I got into that and then just the mental health. Now, we talked about this a little bit before and you probably don't want to get into it a ton because we, you want to, you know, say in your, in a, in a leadership position, but you know, in the military, you know, you go through basic training, you got to get in the best shape of your life. And then once you, you know, enter your field in the military, uh, you, uh, you're tested yearly. You have to take a PT test and then you you have to do PT every day and, and stay, you know, physically ready. Cause it's a physically demanding, uh, career. Now, we talked about the police department or the police academy a little bit. And there you, you get in the best shape of your life. Right. You know what I'm saying? They, they, it's like, it's like basic training, the physical, you know, tests that they put you through and you have to, you just to apply for the police department, you have to pass a physical test, right. like the mile and a half run, sit ups, push ups, and things like that. But then, and I, and I'm not step, don't want to step on any toes here, but once you become a police officer, there's like what a it's on get that free pizza at little caesar's go up to quick trip get you a giant soda what a, it's like you there's no physical test to take after right. that why well, is that first i didn't know there's free pizza at little caesar's but if so if we get free free wings at locks is, <laughs> is that, is that true there was a free wings at locks is after there, this there was, a, there was a guy back at the police back in alton who would on his days oh, off oh my gosh gosh i think his name started with a w not he would, names. He would go. He would go on his days off. He would put his uniform on, Ross. I'm sorry, I shouldn't be saying this. And go and go get a free pizza. He worked for Grafton. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, Grafton. I meant this was his a name different was department. It wasn't, it wasn't all. <laughs> the fifth reason why he should. You know, hey, Todd has his buddies over there watching Cardinal baseball. Hey, it's your they turn to buy pizza. Hey, it's your turn. Todd's like, all right. I'll bring. Oh, he walks okay. into his bedroom, uh, gets dressed, uh, goes down to Little Caesars. <laughs> so I mean. Why isn't, I mean, why, one, why isn't it like the government or whoever, why doesn't someone like make that, make that a regulation? Right. So I, th I think there are some, in, some obstacles in regards to, I, I don't know why, and some liability. I just do know that I've, I brought it up and I, I cannot mandate it. However, I completely believe in it. I believe in, you know, trying to maintain. Obviously, because you do it. Well, thank you. Um, so there's actually, that's one, there's actually me and the assistant chief, we're actually getting ready to develop a program. It's kind of, it's incentive based, but incentivizing mm -hmm. people to um, get in better shape because I do believe in that too. Um, not only just for functional, but I want you to be able to perform your job if, you know, that terrible moment comes. Um, but also, I mean, I'm going to tell the truth here, also for appearance because um, mm -hmm. I want, you know, I, I love a step, you know, I want you when you look at us to know that you, you know, have the full confidence in us and be able to protect you if I can. And, and you know, you want, you, 
law enforcement isn't all about authority. Right. You know what I'm saying? But when you go to a situation, a guy like you shows up, you know what I'm saying? You're in shape and like it, it diffuses situations a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Right. It wouldn't scare me, but you'd probably scare some people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, but, but right. Am I, am I right in that? And, no. and, and yes. you know, you want them to look, you know, sort of have a good physical appearance. Correct. And, and, yeah. and, and, and you have to get into physical struggles, which is just, you know, you hate it, but that's part of the job. And, I, and I, I said a quote to you, earlier but fatigue makes cowards of us all right you know what i'm saying i mean once you're tired you have no like you're done and and you, you see i i've watched you i know, really felt that today <laughs> i still feeling it at about 5 40 <laughs> you couldn't even finish your breakfast the lady at the restaurant like ross you always eat all this what's going on but um you know and, and and i'm not saying this is at alton but just it seems like it's nationwide it's like there would be times where like, you know, a cop, a police officer gets tired and like the only thing they can do at this point is draw some sort of weapon. You know what I'm saying? Because right. they're just too physically tired or worn out right. to, to do anything, you know? Yep. And, and I, I definitely attribute some of the, and everyone has their own individual story about, you know, why they may not be in great physical shape. But I also think officer wellness is, is part of it. Um, mm-hmm. that it's huge to me. Um, it's not something that's been addressed for years. You know, you know, whenever we got hired on um, years ago, you would deal with these chaotic situations. You would go, you know, chase a man with a gun or he'd pull a gun on you and you'd wrestle him um, or there'd be shots fired towards you and things like that. And you would have some chaotic situation, which at the end of the day, you're like, man, that was actually kind of cool, even though a lot of, not a lot of people understand this, but you're like, mm-hmm. actually, that was actually kind of cool. But what happens is I remember, you know, like in situations like that, you know, a boss going, hey, you okay? You hurt? Nope, I'm good. Cool. Make sure your report's done before you go home. You're like, okay. And then you do that. Then you go home and then you're like thinking about it on the way home. You're trying to go to sleep and you're like, man, that guy really pulled a gun on me. We literally wrestled around. (laughs) You're like, that was kind of cool, but that was kind of messed up. And then you think about it. Yes. And then you come back to work the next day and you're good to go. It's not really ever talked about. And you kind of do things like that over over time, over weeks and years and years, and it gets buried deep down inside. Yeah, good point what you just made. Like, at first, you're like, the adrenaline's going through you. You're like, oh, man, I can't believe that really just happened. Right. But then as you're laying in bed, as you're looking at your family, like, oh, man, that starts probably, you know, you go through that too many times, that starts to weigh on you. And and what we were, in essence, taught by not being taught is you just shove it down. You just shove it deep deep down, and you go on to the next day, and you deal with it again, and you deal with it again, and you deal with it again. And it's it's unresolved, you know, so – a lot of people turn to addictive behaviors to what, whatever it is. Um, and my addictive behavior, thankfully, turned, was physical fitness, kind of mm-hmm. back to that part, because that that is why I don't like missing. And um, for accountability, if he knows I'm going to miss a few, I'll text Todd. Yeah, like, accountability. Todd, I'll I'm be good. here. I'll be there. Like, yep. okay, thank you. Nope. It's, it's kind of for me as well, though, to be honest with you. And, but it's good. And it's not because of that. It's because he will also call me out. You know. Uh, well, pause real quick. So I got there early. There was probably two other people there before me. And so I just go up hang out with Todd for a little bit and I'm just going to kind of watch, watch brotherly, him. Brotherly, brotherly yeah, bond. Yeah. I'm going to watch him do what he does. Okay. Right. So as few people start coming in, coming in, it's like kind of good to see you back. Hey, where you been? Yep. Oh, I've been at work. Work. Five thirty. work, <laughs> six o'clock, work, you know? So the line gets longer, it gets longer and I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm, I'm fucking cracking up. Yep. You know, it's funny to me. Uh-huh. Um, but I'm like, Man, this line's all the way. It's curving around. All these people are waiting in line, to coming up at. one at a time <laughs> to get yelled at, made yep. fun of, mm-hmm. harassed. Yes. And if you're one of the lucky ones, a fist bound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
but I was cracking but accountability yep. you know yep. and that's what Todd does so well down there but uh, we like to know, motivate with shame at the thunder yes, yes. <laughs> which is what he did to you at the very beginning for not being <laughs> but what you do I think is as a chief I mean you set a standard I mean you walk in you're going down there four or five times a week you're probably working out outside of that yep. the standard being set right there fantastic no, and that's what I believe in. I mean, part of my leadership, that's just my personality, is you got to lead by example. I cannot expect anyone to listen to me or do what I'm um, what I'm not going to do or not willing to do. Yeah. The last thing on that subject, and he's not going to say it, but I just know about it because, you know, I got the insider track, Ross. I think a lot of things, it's because they have a big police union. I think that has a – and Marcos cannot speak on something like this, but I, I think the unions kind of – just as a way to sort of get their way as a, as a battle back and forth with management or the city, just something that they've thrown in there. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's not real. It's not that they think that it's right or wrong. It's just like, a, you're not going to tell us we're doing this. And it's always been a, probably a bargaining negotiating tool for salaries and things it's like the that. Same thing. Like when I was a teacher, there's a teacher's union and there was definitely things as a teacher. and like, we should probably be doing this, mm-hmm. but you don't want to give in. Yeah. Yes. But the union wouldn't give that to right, them. Exactly. Just hold exactly. that. Um, you know, kind of one of the last things we want to we want to touch on is one. I love what you're doing with the police department. How you like, you know, the social media. Like mm-hmm. you're on there and you're just connecting with the people on the time you get on. You kind of give like just little updates. You know what I'm saying? I, I saw one. It was like a minute long, and you're just like just talking about be kind. You don't know what the person in front of you is. and not you weren't saying it to like police officers. You're just saying it to people in general. And so you get on there like. There was a lady who saved a life and you got on there and you talked about the situation and how she went out and searching for a lost baby. Just she just saw it like on Facebook and she went out and started and found the baby. Just I like how you're getting on there. And, you know, because a lot of times like chiefs in the past, like no one really you knew the name possibly, but you never saw them. They never connected with the people. You know what I'm saying? And and I love how you you know, what what is your what is your goal and motivation kind of behind that? Um. One, to be honest, it's just my personality. So a little bit of backstory, whenever I've always been, not always, most of the time I'm the joking, laughing, I always like to smile, that type of stuff, always like to encourage. And I remember years and years ago when I first got hired, some of the old school officers like, you smile too much, you laugh too Mm -hmm. much. You know, I remember like before I finally have enough courage to, you know, because kind of, you know, paramilitary where you really don't say anything to the older people until a little bit later. And finally I'm like, what do you mean? I don't, you know, like I, I laugh too much. I smile too much. And, um, Ultimately, they really didn't have a good answer. And I'm like, well, whatever I just did worked, you know. So I kind of loved that style. And one of the things that goes against my DNA is being fake because this is who I am, you know. Mm -hmm. So that's what you see the way. Yes, I know I have to formalize some words and maybe there's not slang as opposed to, you know, in some meetings, you got to be a little bit more formal. But what you see is what you get out of me. And this is who I am. So I am, you know, the goofy guy. I like to be straight. I like to be genuine. And I think that's, you know, been an advantage to me because that's what many people have said. They're like, you just are real. You know, you you. If you make a mistake, you're going to own it. You're going to say you're sorry. And I'm like, you're right, because I'm not perfect, and I will continue to make mistakes. Um, but not only that, I'm also appreciative of what I have. I'm appreciative of what I have because I, I didn't expect it. I didn't see this coming, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. A couple years ago, we talked about it earlier, I didn't get into this job to be a chief. I, I Ultimately, the first few year, year, years in, I was like, you know what? I want to retire as you know being the boss of detectives because I love detectives. And then eventually, the, you know, it evolved into this and these opportunities. So I'm humbled and but thankful, like I'm, mm-hmm. I never would have thought this. And I wake up some days where I'm like, I can't believe I'm getting paid for this. And some days I'm like, I'm gonna die early. But at the end of the day, I'm like, I didn't, I don't even think I deserve this sometimes, you know, yeah. because I, I feel bad. I think a lot of times good leaders and people in positions, like they don't think they deserve it. And I think that makes the bit, and I think, 
you know, I'm not comparing myself to you, but like owning a business, like I right. never think like I, I deserve. And people are like, hey, you're doing so good. I'm like, I, same here. I, I, I'm a fraud kind of. I shouldn't, you know. And I, and I know Ross and I have talked about that. He feels the same way. But I think that one will make you a better leader, and it makes you like work harder because okay. you want to. Like you know what? I'm gonna work hard. I'm gonna. I want to earn this. I want to deserve this. Yeah. Right. You stay humble, and you're on that edge. Like it could be gone tomorrow. Yes. yes. Like a yes, good quote, exactly. Mike Tyson. It's only one step from the limo to the gutter. Yeah, that's true. You know, and that's true. And it keeps you humble because you think it could be gone tomorrow. And he also has a quote that says, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> that's so there's that one. That's there's one of my favorite ones. There's that one too. Um, but, you know, I see connecting with the people. I love that. And I know they do too. You know, like one time you got, and like talk about owning things. You did a video and you were talking, there, was, there had been a lot, like a little string of violence in Alton. Mm -hmm. And you kind of, and a lot of chiefs, they would run and hide from right. that or blame this and that. And you were just like, you know what? We've had some violence mm -hmm. lately. We it. don't like it. You don't like it. We are going to take, and I, I don't remember, you take some measures and mm -hmm. just blah, 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 blah. And you're just owning it. Yes. You know what I'm saying? You weren't hiding from it. You're the face of the, the police department and put your deputy chief doing mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. It was you. You right. know, I love that. I think that's. Yeah. That's that's a uh, just a, a great philosophy to do. Great leadership. No, I appreciate yes. that. Thanks. You know, we're just gonna sit here and toot his horn for a little bit. Yeah. Another <laughs> thing that I love. <laughs> when I get a free oh, one, I do drive one, through Alton. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> um, another thing that I love that you do is like you're out in the community. You know, what I'm saying I posted some pictures and mm -hmm. there was I could have posted a million million more like you're out at the schools all the time and the chief that's you're the chief going to the schools do you know what i'm saying and, and, or you're you know at trunk or treat handing out right. you know halloween candy mm -hmm. and just thanksgiving and and things like that you're 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 out there when you could be in your desk or you right. know what i'm saying it, hiding. Uh, yeah hiding and not being out there amongst the people because i guarantee you walk outside anywhere and all i'm like hey chief polino um uh -huh. can you do something about the potholes oh, yeah. <laughs> hey chief polino's a crackhead that yeah. took a crap in my backyard can you do something <laughs> all the time do you know what i'm yes. saying and so uh -huh. it, it would be easier just to just stay in your office yeah. and not go out mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying yep but i i love that one again it's my personality i cannot sit still i love being out there but it's also for a few reasons because one um one i believe that's what we should be doing again mm -hmm. lead by example because i am going to be asking some of my officers to do those same things whenever they see me doing it either first or with them um but to me that's part of leadership one a good leader is going to surround themselves by good leader with other good leaders no doubt about it um you know because you want that good advice if you have big decisions you got to make an informed decision but it's also guiding you know your people your troops you know to that common goal and common mission and some people are going to you know, may follow you just because you're the boss and they respect the position. But no, I want that person to be able to go with me 100% with that fight because they respect you. You know, it's not because you demand it, but, you know, you've earned it. Um, so I, I love that style. So I, I like to be out there. Um, and I'm a giant kid anyway, so that's why, you know, when I go to the schools, I'm legitimately a kid with them. I'm literally playing kickball with them. I'm playing rock, paper, scissors, just anything just, just to break that barrier. Because I love getting out there also because I do ask my officers to do that. So I want to be out there. I want them to see me doing it too because I don't, um, I've worked for bosses, you know, who do what they say, not as they do, you know, one of those things. And I hate that. And I think, you know, there's there's certain ways to like, you know, be, be an authoritative figure. Mm -hmm. There is one that you can like just force it down their throat and say, don't, why'd you do that? But, but there's another where you can be their friend and they don't want to disappoint you. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. I feel like that works a lot better. Do you know what I'm saying? They it, want to make you proud. They want to make you proud. They don't want to disappoint you rather than like, you know, yelling and screaming like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like you're two different sides. You, you're out there trying to let them show, hey, we're all on the same side. Right. We want a nice, peaceful world. Right. You know? Mm -hmm.
No, it's more effective to me whenever you lead that way because your your, your people are going to be passionate about what they're doing as opposed to just doing it because they have to do it because the boss told them to told them to do it. But right. I also love being a kid too. Like legitimately, it's it's like recess for me. Um, I'll go. There's certain you know schools that I'll go to, and um, I always I try to go to some of the uh, classes that are you know having some with some students that are having some challenges and, and I'll go to the teacher going, Hey, you know, like, what, what, what's and the walks goal? Chief Polito, six, four, two twenty five. Here I come. <laughs> I eat too many wings, two thirty five. Um, we, um, but I love going there and I'll talk to the teachers and be like, Hey, what's a goal? You know, let's do this. And there's a certain teacher I talk to all the time. She's amazing at coming up goals. And she's like, Hey, if this person is good for seven days in a row, you want to come back and play uh, kickball at recess? I'm like, bring it, let's do it. You know? So that's what we'll do and just get the, them involved. But I love, I love that style. And, and like, you probably don't see it, but like, do you remember like when you were like a young kid and you'd see like a police officer, let alone like the chief of police, like, Holy crap, right. like, that's a real life superhero. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like how much you look up to them. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying, yeah. and I think I think that's big. Here's a small a small thing that I take. Um, I don't know if this was dare or just getting back to what you said, going getting into the schools and stuff. But we had a, um, a police officer in town, Debbie Mitchell. Mm-hmm. She was always in the schools, and uh, one thing, and this just sticks with me. I was eight, and she and someone had asked a question about you know when you're kind of kid, you're kind of intimidated by mm-hmm. him. So somebody brought up the question. She said, "Oh, she's like." Officers love when you when they drive by and you wave at them. Mm-hmm. It stuck. So I I to this day I pass a uh-huh. police officer and I wave. Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> I do it too, and I always feel like just, I'm kissing up, but I always but yeah. I, I, I do it just because of what she yeah, said, yeah, and no, that just awesome. stuck with me. Mm-hmm. Awesome. You know, nope. I love that. But another reason why I do it too is just because we're uh, going into an age right now where kids are growing up on the internet and gone mm-hmm. whatever and depending on what they either are watching or getting conditioned to. I also like going in there just to break that barrier too, because there are some kids in there who may have see me as something bad. And I like them going in saying, no, it can be a positive thing. But more importantly, I love that they, I want them to see me as a human being. Yes, I'm wearing this. I'm here to help mm-hmm. you. I'll do whatever I can to help. You know, I'll even die for you. But I also want to hang out because I want you to know I'm a human too. Mm-hmm. Like I want you to be able to feel comfortable enough to approach one of us and, you know, down, down the road. You know, I, a lot of a lot of a lot of kids, like especially like in rougher areas, bad areas, their only run-ins with police officers are like in volatile situations. Right, They've right. come to the house, have to break mom and dad up from a fight, mm-hmm. and and things like that. You know, someone's getting arrested, and they right. oh they see you as a negative, yep. you know, as a negative instead of a positive. I think, and I think that's why it's very important. Also, yep, yep. it's just that small investment for hopefully down the road where they can. Not, not, yeah, not have makes your point. job easier down the road, really. Right, if you right, think yeah. about mm-hmm. it, Absolutely. you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Here, here, this is the last thing I want to ask you about. So, you know, you're from Alton. You grew up in Alton. Now you're a police officer in Alton. Actually, two things. One, have you had like? Because you know everybody. You've had some. I mean, how many people like one back when you were working patrol, like trying to get you to let them out of something, and now people trying to get a hold of you to get them out of something. And man, is that is that happened a lot? You know, to be honest, not as much as I thought. To be honest with you, uh-huh. so there were a handful. Like, of course, right? You know, I worked. Um, what I would call it whenever I was in patrol, I'd work in an area that was, we'll just say a high call volume. Mm-hmm. So it was an area that just, there was a lot of things going on. So I, there was no like random radar and pulling over a friend or anything like that, you know, but you know, we all have discretion. I've not, I don't write everyone a ticket, you know, the earth that, that. So I may not write a friend a ticket, of course. Um, so I've, I didn't have as many people, but I do have a lot of phone calls of, Hey, this happened. Like this now happened. do you have it now? Oh yeah, it definitely happens. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. There is no doubt about it. Uh, I can, I can it imagine. Happens a lot. Did you, was there ever a time that you 
and I, I know you're a beach sun guy. Was oh, there yeah. ever a time that you thought about like leaving Alton and transferring somewhere else? Not every damn day <laughs> of my <laughs> life. Not police department wise, because I, I know it's kind of hard to kind of start over, you know, like mm-hmm. in a career and pensions and all that other good stuff. Um, but no, it's on the radar. Once I'm done with law enforcement in general, I love Florida. Like I love Florida. I go there often. Um, that's where I want to go. I mean, you I could probably at this point, you could probably retire now, right? I mean, you've got how many years in? Um, well, officially 21, but I cannot collect anything until I'm 50 years old. So that's the way our pension is set up mm-hmm. to where um, I could retire now. I'm vested and I, you know, I'll have a decent pension when I, re- you know, but I cannot collect anything and I've, I got seven more years. So there's no doubt I'll, I'll have to work whenever I quote retire from this anyway, mm-hmm. but I could, but I still love what I'm doing. Like I, I, I still love what I'm doing. Well, maybe you could jump in with uh, Terry Booz and you guys, you know, lawn since he retired, and you guys could go into the, the jump into his lawn and order business. <laughs> lawn, and order. Lawn, lawn and order. That is right. That is his That's name. Two beer Terry. Lawn and order. <laughs> Two beer Terry. Yeah. He, he was the he was the deputy chief before uh-huh. uh, yeah. before Marcos. Ross, you got anything else you want to uh, jump in and ask him? Not really. Um, I'll I, you know I'll kind of leave with this. Um, a big thing I take from Marcos knowing him even, you know, before the show and more just through the brick houses. Um, he is such a genuine guy, mm-hmm. um, humble guy comes through. I wish, you know, if I could take one thing from, from him, it, it comes in every time. Smile. He's smiling right now. Cause I'm looking at you. <laughs> He's, He's like smiling. looking into your eyes. Right <laughs> that stuff is contagious. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, it, I, it is. Know, like today I told, uh, I told one of my cooks who's, from Alton, and she has a big family in there. And I was like, "Hey, uh, Marcos, come!" She's like, I love Marcos. Oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah, Monica, you know. Yeah. But uh, and then I think she stopped. I, you I, know, before talk, she even came in, she made sure. Yeah. Yep. Um, but my even my front of the house employees. Oh, I love Marco. He's always oh. smiling. He's always so happy. <laughs> and I think that's because you love life and you I love do. what you do. Mm-hmm. You know, you found what makes you happy, and it, and it shows just even when you're outside of work. I appreciate that. And another thing, I'll just say, Alton's in good hands. Oh, yeah, I appreciate yeah. that. Positive behavior breeds positive behavior. I'll be honest, like, boom. We're all we all have gone through some bad things. I've gone through some, you know, some life changing events uh, in my life, and it's one of those. I don't like to see other people sad, so it's mm-hmm. one of those. Like, I always like to smile anyway. It's just one. It's one of the things, but it, it's that icebreaker. I love making other people smile or just that encouraging because I I don't want people to fail. You yeah. Know? Right. Right. Love it. Good talk, right? Thanks for coming. Sorry about the uh, Ross's technical difficulties coming in. He's got one freaking job. I was told there was going to be a video and we were going to be dancing. (laughs) Well, you saw what it was like just for us to do audio. Could you imagine us trying to do video? It's just Ross and Todd in here now doing kind of a little recap. Uh, That was fun, right? That was was a lot i don't want to say a lot better than i thought it was going to be but i didn't know any of his background story right. so well, like i was because I you was... don't research but thank you mrs lippy <laughs> yeah um number one what just sticks with me right off the bat is the foresight of him what we've talked about it hits me so hard right now because it's what we've been talking about is him preparing himself for what he wanted to do later in life at the age of 15 16 years old yeah. you know that's it's amazing to because i know how immature i was at a, at that age like I wasn't setting myself up that way. Right. And for him to go out and, and do those extra things, seeing seeing those opportunities at that at that age and taking advantage of them is is an awesome story. And and I also kinda wanna repeat, like, that's for our listeners when it comes to the parents, like and he said it, be in touch with your kids and then and that way you can help them because a lot of kids out there are probably a lot like me at 15, 16, too immature to realize 
the opportunities that are, that are out there to go take advantage of to set you up for later in life. So as a parent, stay in tune with them. Ask your kids, hey, what do you want to be? And maybe it changes at 17, but hey, what do you want to be? Because maybe you do know somebody that could you know, help set your kid up later. And you saw how much it like it advanced him, like how much like when he finally started working there, he was so ahead of the curve. I can't even imagine. Yeah. You know, it was like he had been an employee, really. And the other officers, you know, it seemed that they probably treated him like he'd been there a lot longer. Right. Like an equal almost. Yeah. Yeah. That 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 part was awesome. You know, and you don't know Marcos quite as quite as well as I do just because, you know, he's down at Pride every freaking other day. Can't get rid of him like a bad rash. You know, I can say that because he's not in here. Um, but like, you know, like you see a lot of police officers on Facebook and, and I get why they do this, but they don't put the real names. You know what I'm saying? They put, and, and, and anyone out there who does that, I, I'm not ripping on you, get but it. we get it, but he's the chief and his, it's his full name out there. And, and you know, anytime somebody from pride like says, Oh, I just lost seven pounds this week, or I did this. He's the, he's always like on there puts a comment way to go congratulations blah blah and you know what i'm saying like every single one of them I mean, he doesn't have to do things like that you can just kind of stay in the shadows but it's i, I love it. and and it coming from him and he he would never agree to this but coming from him it means a little more you know what i'm saying absolutely you know yeah. in someone in that in that like position that. in a leadership and hearing that from a guy like that absolutely but that's who he is mm-hmm. like i said we talked about the end humble his smile is contagious. His energy that he brings. Who do you think wins in a fight, me or Marcos? Marcos. Gee, really? <laughs> Man, Todd, you're almost fifty. I will hold you I down mean... right now and do that ending torture on your chest. You know what I'm talking about. You uh, tried yeah. to that many, many times. Don't make me do that right here. Show you I still got it. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. You. You. All right, brother. I, you know what? I. In. I'm going back to being. Uh, uh, cheesy again but I love that we just I feel lucky and blessed that we get to hear people's stories all the yeah, time yeah I, I love you okay. learn something every time it just you know it makes me appreciate you know just I don't know I love it I love it yep it's been so, fun it has been fun all right this has been the eat slay live podcast and we are the lock executioner slay on brother slay on